This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Some new and bizarre developments tonight in the mystery of two key officials tossed out of the B.C. legislature. The clerk and the sergeant at arms put on paid leave two days ago amid a criminal investigation by the RCMP. And tonight, as Keith Baldry reports, the scandal deepens over the actions of the speaker, who was the first to raise red flags. The day began with yet another unexpected twist, courtesy of Liberal House Leader Mary Polak. I attended a meeting in the office of the Speaker of the British Columbia Legislature. During that meeting, Speaker Daryl Plekis stated his wish that Alan Mullen be appointed as Acting Sergeant-at-Arms of the Legislature after the departure of Gary Lenz from that position. Yes, you heard it right. The night before, the Sergeant-at-Arms and the Clerk of the House were unceremoniously escorted from the Legislature by police and Speaker staff members. The Speaker tried to convince the House leaders to give this man, his friend and aide, the lucrative sergeant-at-arms position once the current holder was forced out. The House leaders, however, were having none of it. It was a request that was made, and it was rejected, and it was firmly rejected. Because it was inappropriate? Um, it was the wrong decision. The Premier was also in the dark about the job offer. When I talked to the House leader about that, he said that he didn't advise me of it because it was dismissed immediately. In any event, the whole sorry episode has put a cloud over the legislature, he said, and he wants it gone as soon as possible. I'm hopeful that the investigation will be concluded as quickly as possible, particularly for the individuals involved, but most importantly, so the public can have confidence that this is uh, a fair and open process. As for the speaker, at one point he said he would explain things. I will be making a statement. You'll make yourself available to us later? Yes. But later he changed his mind and refused to talk to the media. All right, Keith Baldry joins us live in Victoria with more on this. Keith, what could all of this mean for the balance of power? Well, the worst case scenario for the NDP is if for some reason Daryl Plekis gets forced out of that office because of this continuing uh, scandal that keeps engulfing that office. I don't think that's going to happen. And the reason why it would be trouble for the NDP, the NDP right now has a two-seat majority. It was a godsend, a uh, gift from heaven when uh, Daryl Plekis left the B.C. Liberal Caucus and went and sat as a speaker. It gave the NDP an extra vote in the House. So that's why they're doing everything they can to keep him in office. And late today, the statement that came from the Speaker's office was to announce that former Liberal Attorney General Wally Opel will now be joining Daryl Plekis' staff as yet another special advisor. I'm told that came at the strong suggestion of certain NDP members to give Plekis some badly needed experience and some help that he so desperately needs going forward. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good move for him. Wally Opel, well respected on all sides. Mm -hmm. Can hardly wait to see what tomorrow brings, Keith. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, Uber Canada was in Victoria today as well, responding to that recently introduced legislation to bring ride-hailing to B.C. The company is voicing a number of concerns, saying right now the rules are so restrictive it could prevent the company from ever operating here. Richard Zussman reports. 
The government's legislation this week was supposed to be the green light Uber and other ride-sharing companies needed to operate in British Columbia. Instead, Uber is slamming on the brakes. That foundational start uh, needs, needs to be amended for, for ride-sharing really to have a chance to get off the ground. Uber has now fully reviewed the proposed rules and is still hoping to work with the B.C. government, but those rules make it very hard for the company to operate here. The biggest concerns are powers given to the Passenger Transportation Board. The board has the power to set prices, which means taxis and ride-sharing cars could potentially charge the same thing. The board also can control fleet size, which could increase wait times for ride-sharing. And the current rules give additional power to existing companies. Ride sharing is a flexible opportunity. So if you're commuting from the suburbs to downtown, you're able to turn on the app and pick someone up along the way and make money on that trip. I think we would want to have more people engaging in activities like that and not fewer. The B.C. Liberals have proposed multiple amendments to the legislation and are concerned about insurance, licensing and caps on ride-sharing vehicles on the road. The concern about the NDP's legislation is it's so cumbersome for new entries that it means there won't be any new entries so they will be stuck with our existing taxi industry. The taxi industry knows it has to modernize using these smartphones to wave down flags rather than hailing one. The BC Greens believe there's a way to do that and also to ensure ride-sharing comes here as well. We have to go with it, work with it, try to make it better. And if we don't like certain areas, amend it because this is the, the first time that we've had the opportunity to actually debate the entrance of ride-hailing in our province. The legislation is expected to be voted on next week. That means there's only a few days left to make the changes that would ensure Uber finally ends up on BC roads or it doesn't. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. The federal government tabling emergency legislation today to end the Canada Post strike, but giving the union and the service one last chance to reach a settlement on their own. Ted Trenecki has more on the mounting pressure to get a deal done and how quickly Ottawa could pass the bill forcing employees back to work. To be clear, postal workers are not on strike and are still delivering mail, but there have been rotating stoppages meant to slow down the mail in the hopes of speeding up a settlement. Now, Ottawa says the stoppages have to stop. Act ...to provide for the resumption and continuation of postal services. It's extremely disappointing for the members. Uh, let us go through the process. Collective bargaining has been upheld as a charter right and uh, let us negotiate with our employer. The pressure to settle is intense. Virtually every major BC retailer has an online presence that's growing faster than traditional retail. For them, it's better there be no strike, but there are options. Perhaps they're working with other shippers. Uh, many retailers will offer the service of purchasing online and picking up in-store. The House may pass the back-to-work legislation as early as Friday, and the Senate is agreeing to a rare Saturday sitting to debate the bill. Theoretically, it could be passed in time for Cyber Monday. Postal workers say Canadians shouldn't worry. Please feel free to use the mail. There's not the backlog of trailers that Canada Post is uh, indicating that there are. Volumes right now are about the same as they were this time last year. But the Retail Council isn't so sure, saying yes, if passed by Cyber Monday, the holiday shipping season can be saved, but... This is not one of those years for procrastinators. This is a year to make your decisions early, and we would you know, seriously recommend that. Make your decisions. We don't believe we've run out of time. There is still a window for a negotiated settlement, which would undoubtedly be more palatable for the union, but failing that, it's likely back-to-work legislation will kick in as early as Monday. Ted Chernacki, Global News. Cheers. 
Mail and package delivery, of course, a key concern with some of the biggest shopping days looming ahead of the holiday season. Aligned with American Thanksgiving, tomorrow marks Black Friday, and our Jill Bennett has been out getting a sense of the deals and how much people are spending. Jill. And Chris, companies that track spending trends say every year Canadians are spending more on Black Friday on everything from clothing to electronics. Part of that reason is because retailers on this side of the border, well, they want the shoppers to stay here and shop both online and in the stores. The lineups are already forming, with shoppers getting a jump start. They are really good deals, actually. We pay like 95% on these. Oh, we did like 70, 50, 60%. And they beat the big crowds. This mall, like many others, will be a busy place come Black Friday. It tend to be very busy in the morning. There's a lot of early birds that are keen to get here for door crashers. So the parking lot's open at 6.30 a.m. Companies that track sales in Canada have seen a 5 to 8% increase in Black Friday spending year over year. It's surpassed. Past Boxing Day sales and is now second only to the busiest shopping day, December 22nd. There's no doubt uh, Black Friday is a, for a lot of people is about getting out in the store and fighting the crowds and sort of winning the battle for the great bargain. But if you look overall, in-store sales grow around 6%, online sales are growing around 20%, so there's no doubt that we're shifting. The trouble with online shopping is that your parcels could be delivered anytime and you could be anywhere but there. The increase in online shopping means an increase in parcel delivery. That's prompted Vancouver police to put out this video, a light take on what is becoming a big problem. We're asking people not to leave parcels unattended on their property or on their decks. Uh, these are opportunists, and if you, you provide them with the opportunity, they're likely going to steal it. There have already been several parcel thefts recorded on home surveillance cameras, and while police say that footage helps in an investigation, it won't prevent the theft. Just one more thing to think about as the often chaotic holiday season officially begins. Jill, last year was particularly bad in the traffic department out where you are at MacArthur Glen. How is it this year? Well, they're anticipating heavy congestion on that road to the airport. It's the same one people use to get to the designer outlet mall. So YVR has actually issued an advisory for anybody coming to the airport saying, if you're going to the mall, if you work here or are visiting, please use the Canada line. But if you do have to drive and you are getting a flight tomorrow, give yourself lots of extra time. Because in the past, we've actually seen flights delayed. We've heard of people missing their flights. And again, they're saying there's going to be very heavy congestion and they want people to make sure sure they get there. Chris? Even some of the pilots, I think, last year missed their flights. But thanks. <laughs> thanks, Jill Bennett out at the airport for us tonight. Now, if you are not shopping this weekend, perhaps you'll be hitting the slopes. Whistler Blackcomb officially kicking off its winter season today. Aaron MacArthur was there when the lifts opened and reports on the challenges facing the resort and the deals it's offering. Lineup began just after midnight. I've been here since three. By 8.30, the first skiers of the season were ready to drop in. First run! Opening day, 2018. The excitement, obvious, even if the conditions are marginal. Are you concerned it's not having enough coverage? Always, that's why we're limiting terrain today. With winter not quite here, ski hills across BC have had to slow their opening day plans. Whistler Blackcomb has put its employee passes on hold saving what little snow is available for the paying public. The resort managed to open just a handful of runs and only a few lifts. 
As part of a $66 million investment, Whistler Blackcomb built three new lifts, including this six-person lift that's designed to alleviate one of the biggest choke points in the mountain. One lift, a 10-person gondola on Blackcomb, won't be ready until the middle of December. Yeah, it's huge and very complex project. Uh, the teams have been working really hard to get it done. Um, we want to we open it and have it be ready and fully functional, no issues. And we'd rather wait a couple weeks to make sure that, that it's uh, up to our standards. The lack of snow hit everyone hard, including the cross-country area at Callahan Valley. High-performance athletes had access to a one-kilometer loop last month, and Thursday the general public was allowed to ski. All of the snow stored from last winter and pushed onto the track. Uh, so this snow was stored in a, a storage pit that we have just behind us. Uh, it's roughly 10,000 cubic meters of snow. We brought it out roughly four weeks ago. Even the hotels are waiting for winter. Much of the village still offering shoulder season rates. Some rooms less than $100 a night. It might be a bargain to come up, but don't expect the skiing to match expectations for some time yet. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, there is a winter warning for those driving the Coquihalla. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us with details on that. Christy. That's right. So, so the first winter storm warning of the season for the Coquihalla. This is actually a live shot. The snow just starting to fall right now. The crews are already preparing for what could be a very stormy night. They say nine pieces of snow removal equipment will be on standby. And it's a good thing because the snow level will drop to about 800 meters tonight. That means that large areas of the Coquihalla will see snow and significant amounts. 15 centimeters tonight and another expected through the day tomorrow. So 30 in total. And a Along with that, windy conditions, so potentially whiteout conditions on the roads. Now, this will be a good first test for the recent rule change where trucks were restricted to be in the left lane in the Great Bear uh, Snowshed area. So it'll be very interesting. Mm -hmm. We'll see how that works out. All right, mm -hmm. thanks, Christy. And on the topic of road safety, lights are finally coming to a dangerous stretch of the Lowheed Highway. The area between Lady Street and 220th is one kilometer long, but it's often pitch black at night, making it extremely dangerous for pedestrians, cyclists, and drivers. There were 471 collisions on this stretch between 2013 and 2017. And now $1.4 million will be spent on long-awaited upgrades. This is 30 new lights. It's seven uh, upgrades to seven existing lights. This is a fantastic improvement to a corridor that's been, uh, you know, for left too long in a dark, dangerous situation. Work is expected to start in January and be completed by the spring. Right now, though, a team of experts has descended on Cowichan Bay on Vancouver Island to save a sea lion in distress. It was spotted last week with rope or fishing line embedded in its neck, but as Kylie Stanton reports, they now have to find it before they can rescue it. Between their sounds and size, you can't miss them. But the one sea lion this team is looking for is nowhere to be found. It's frustrating for us because we're here, we're ready. 
Veterinarians and scientists from Fisheries and Oceans Canada and the Vancouver Aquarium descended on Cowichan Bay with a plan to rescue the male sea lion in distress spotted last week by a pair of local boaters. Here he is, right here. He was lying down, lethargic, with a rope embedded deep into his neck. I don't think he'll last much longer if we don't get it off him. It was reported to Fisheries and Oceans Canada and officials investigated. But now that the team has mobilized, it may be too late. It's often the case uh, with a lot of these animals. They're, they're highly migratory. They do move around a lot. Um, even locally, they'll move around a lot. So it's, it's not completely unexpected not to find them today. But there could be some aggravating circumstances here, with reports of people attempting to take matters into their own hands. In this photo, a man is shown in a rowboat pulled up next to the sea lion with a pair of scissors. Experts warn this is not only incredibly dangerous, but may have jeopardized the rescue operation. We don't want people being getting too close and getting hurt, and of course the, we especially don't want the animals being disturbed. They will move off for sure, and that does interfere with our ability to help them out. If that's the case, here, the team is hoping someone will spot him again and they'll be able to attend. And while the sea lion appears to be in good body condition, with plenty of blubber to survive, the wound is bad. The longer it takes to reach him, the more he'll suffer. So we'll just hope for the best. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Cowichan Bay. Well, we have been following the story of a B.C. couple fighting to bring their grandchildren back from Peru, where their father is charged with femicide, accused of killing their mother. In the final installment of our exclusive series, Romina Dea tells us why Peruvian authorities established the unusual charge of femicide and whether it's actually working to reduce deadly violence against women. Kimberly Kasatkin, now a face in the fight for gender justice in Peru. Every woman has a name, every woman has a story, so we don't have any Jane Doe's here. In Nino Menos, anyone, nobody is uh, anonymous. Women's rights activists with Niona Menos, meaning not one less, demanding a fair trial for Kasatkin. The BC woman disappeared two years ago. Her partner, Christopher Franz Bataki, has been charged with femicide, the killing of a woman. A woman is killed every three days on average in Peru. Kasatkin, one of thousands, Niuna Menos marches for. Avi Agreda set on fire on a bus in Lima in April because she refused her co-workers' advances. The 22-year-old's injuries so severe, she died in June. <laughs> Femicide, the killing of a woman, is a unique charge in the criminal code in Peru. It carries a higher penalty than homicide. Very different than Canada, where murder is murder. It's gender neutral. Una sociedad no puede denominarse democrática. A society can be democratic if we don't respect women. Supreme Court Justice Elvia Barrios Alvarado says women are being killed because of macho beliefs entrenched in society. Women considered inferior and need to obey. This new charge of femicide, do you think it's going to make a difference for women in this country? Marca una diferencia. Of course, uh, because woman's death has 
a higher sentence. And this is a message for all the men that mistreat women. Any act is, will be penalized. Violence against women, an epidemic in Latin America, where femicide is now a crime in more than a dozen countries. In Peru, femicide-related cases up almost 40 percent compared to a year ago. An evolution of the law, but impunity prevails, say activists. We cannot say that it is working. Corruption remains inside the, the judicial system between the judges, between the police. It's cheaper here to buy a judge than to obtain justice. It's very easy. Kasatkin's body has never been found. The whereabouts of the accused, unknown. A warrant has been issued for Bataki's arrest. Uh, don't give up just yet, okay? I'm trying. Kasatkin's parents know what they're up against, but they have fortitude. If he is hiding from this, uh, He's not going to be just sitting and relaxing on a beach. He'll always be looking over his shoulder somewhere. And uh, someday his justice will come to him. Romina Dea, Global News, Lima, Peru. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Some dramatic surveillance video from Mississauga, Ontario, shows thieves smashing the front windows of a jewelry store. But the robbery is thwarted in dramatic fashion. Employees come back armed with curpans religious swords from the Sikh faith. Despite the fact one of the would-be thieves has a gun, they managed to force the robbers to retreat. No one was hurt and nothing was stolen. For an instance such as this, where it is property that's being stolen and more than likely going to be replaced and covered by insurance, uh, to us, it's, we always encourage people and tell people it's not worth it. This isn't the first violent robbery in the area. Back in August, thieves backed a van into another jewelry store, and the owners chased them away with swords as well. Police are still looking for the suspects in both attempted robberies. More fallout tonight from that sexual assault scandal at a Toronto Catholic private school. St. Michael's College School Principal Greg Reeves resigned today, along with the president of the board, over allegations of assault and sexual assault by students. The school says Reeves and board president Father Jefferson Thompson have stepped down so the school can move forward without distractions. Earlier this week, charges were laid against six students. The school has been criticized for not promptly reporting the incidents to police. An American man based in Vancouver, Washington, is being remembered as a dedicated, albeit misguided, missionary. The 27-year-old was killed trying to bring Christianity to a remote Indian island inhabited by an isolated tribe that's protected by law against outside contact. An American missionary who loved the outdoors, John Allen Chow often documented his adventures on Instagram. But these photos would be his last. Authorities say the 26-year-old was killed, possibly by bow and arrow, on what police described as a misplaced adventure in a highly restricted area to a remote island east of India in the Andaman Sea. 
He was trying to meet and convert the Centelanese, an endangered tribe photographed here in 2004 that's been isolated for centuries and rejects contact with outsiders who might expose them to disease. According to journals and emails published by the Washington Post, Chow attempted to reach the tribe by boat in the days before his death, but was shot at with an arrow, which pierced his waterproof Bible. He wrote to family, You guys might think I'm crazy in all this, but I think it's worthwhile to declare Jesus to these people. God, I don't want to die. In a statement shared on his Instagram account, Chow's family wrote, Words cannot express the sadness we have experienced about this report. He had nothing but love for the Centelanese people. We forgive those reportedly responsible for his death. This was a dangerous trip both for the missionary and the tribe. It was incredibly dangerous for him and foolhardy thing to have done, but even more dangerous for the Centenalese themselves. They are the most isolated tribe on earth. Tonight, authorities are working to figure out how to recover Chow's remains without further disturbing the tribe. Lucy Kafanov, NBC News. An American Thanksgiving tradition went off without a hitch today, despite record cold. The Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade wound its way through the streets of New York. Thousands of spectators braved those frigid temperatures to take it all in. To everyone's relief, the forecasted strong winds helped, held off just enough to allow the parade's famous giant balloons to fly. Artists including Kelly Clarkson and John Legend performed. The parade's oldest participant, Tom Turkey, made his annual appearance as well. And as usual, the highlight, of course, was the big guy himself. <laughs> Always so much fun taking so that in. So busy at this time of the year, yeah, that no guy. Doubt. In Health Matters tonight, Fraser Health says it's taking the next step in the evolution of virtual health care. New projects being launched today will allow cardiologists to hold virtual consultations via video conferencing with patients suffering from irregular heartbeats or arrhythmia. Another will connect psychiatric patients with mental health services before they're discharged from hospital. Um, we're going to be able to connect uh, hospitals to community programs, hospitals to other hospitals, uh, hospitals to nurses and patients, uh, whether they're at uh, community mental health centers, uh, eventually family doctor's offices, and we hope eventually patients' homes. The National Dog Show 2018 happens to be a Whippet. The Whippet! Whiskey! Whiskey wins! <laughs> Whiskey the Whippet, crowned top dog, taking best in show at this year's National Dog Show in Pennsylvania. Whiskey won the Hound Group before taking on the top dogs like the Doberman Pinscher and the Chesapeake Bay Retriever. In the end, though, it was the Hound who hailed the win and enjoyed a victory meal. And how about this? A pelican in peril and in pain, the Oceanside Rescue Coming up right after the forecast with Christy. Oh, yikes. All right, Christy, uh, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but the Coquihalla could be tough driving tonight. 
That's exactly right. I wanted to make a correction that I said earlier. Highway 5, Great Bear Snowshed, they uh, have put in restrictions and trucks are restricted from going in the left lane. Uh, they need to stay in the right-hand lanes and go as they go slower. And of course, with the winter storm warning in effect right now for the Coquihalla, uh, of course, that is going to be a first uh, sort of look at how that restriction will play out. So uh, sorry about that uh, correction. So snow level will drop to 800 meters. There is a concern why Wide areas or wide swaths of the Coquihalla will see snowfall, but it's other parts of the province that will also see it. Uh, Kootenay Pass, 20 centimeters, and all other mountain highways could see anywhere from four to eight centimeters of snow, and that includes the Sea to Sky Highway up towards Whistler. If you're in the Fraser Canyon area, it should be uh, lower than 800 meters, so I'm really just expecting rain. If you do see any snow, it would be wet snow. Hey, we talked about Whistler and not having a great start to the season, but areas in the interior sure have had a lot lot of snow. So Big White had a great opening day today and we are going to see rainfall all along the coast. Now tomorrow the rain will ease off in the afternoon to mainly cloudy skies with just a chance of showers. It's not going to clear until about the evening hours once the sun has set. And don't get too excited about your weekend because we are going to see more cloud cover push in come Saturday morning. It will be mostly dry but we certainly will see overcast skies with a slight chance of showers. So over the next 24 hours with that significant rain tonight and tomorrow morning we'll see anywhere from 40 to potentially 60 millimeters of rain bulk of that really along the mountain ranges and windy conditions expected as well uh, 30 to 50 kilometer an hour gusts expected especially along uh, the water's edge so there's your forecast for tomorrow mainly uh, wet along the coast and then light snow inland again not a lot but we will see some snowfall if you're in the interior like uh, areas like Kelowna it will just be wet snow and then change over to showers. So rain tomorrow morning easing off to just a chance of showers. That continues on Saturday, but a better chance of showers pushes back in on Sunday. So our weekend, a little iffy, not a soaker, but a little iffy. And I'll leave you with a crisp shot from this morning in Lumbee. Thanks to Jillian for that one. It's incredible the amount of frost out there. Crisp. Yeah, no kidding. Mm -hmm. Good way to describe it. Thanks, Christy. All right, off the coast of North Carolina, a fisherman accidentally hooks a pelican. Luckily for him and the bird, a woman comes by who is not afraid to help. At first, the pelican wants nothing to do with them. Thankfully, though, the woman, the woman knew exactly what to do, quickly wrapping her sweater around the bird's beak to keep it from nipping them. After a bit of struggling and flailing, the bird finally settles down enough to allow the fisherman to cut the hook and line loose, and the bird flies away. Apparently, none the worse for wear. That's why you always got to carry a pair of pliers with you. <laughs> and a blanket. You have a and not with me right okay. now. Was it a blanket or a jacket? A sweatshirt. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who knew that that's what you did? To calm a pelican down? To calm a pelican down. Now just, we know. Just in case. Always keep mm-hmm. one handy. send bullying on February 27th. Get your shirt at pinkshirtday.ca. Be kind to your friends. Pink shirt. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, See? I'm ahead of the game. I got a little pink in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're not there yet, though. I got nothing. Okay. I'm not there yet. <laughs> it's Halloween still for got you. Time. Exactly. <laughs> uh, they like to say if you're in an NHL playoff spot by the time American Thanksgiving rolls around, which is today, your chances of staying there are pretty good. 
the Canucks fell out of that playoff spot last night when they lost their seventh straight game down in Anaheim. They're in San Jose tomorrow, and they've made a change. Brendan Gauntz has been sent back to Utica, and it's clear Gauntz is never going to be a regular Canuck. Coming up is Reed Boucher, who has 10 goals in the minors, which is fifth best in the American Hockey League. Now, he deserves the recall, although he's one of those guys who scores a lot in the minors, but not a lot in the NHL. The Canucks could probably use more help stopping goals right now than scoring, but if he can bring his hot hand to the big team, maybe the Canucks can outscore their defensive problems. World Cup of Golf down in Melbourne, and I, when they took that shot, it was sunny, and Canada is represented by the Abbotsford boys, Nick Taylor and Adam Hadwin. Alternate shot today. Hadwin, the star early. Birdie putt on the second hole. Another putter. Then off the green with the putter for another birdie. Last check, Canada in a tie for 13th. Hadwin again. This time, hitting it close enough so Taylor can just kick in a par putt. Two more rounds to go after today. Yeah, not nice weather. You recognize that, don't you, Chris? AT&T Stadium. There you go. How about this? They traded a first-round pick for Amari Cooper. Some said, mm, is that too much? Not today it wasn't. Cooper had two touchdowns, including this one, 180 yards and two TDs for the Cowboys against Washington. And then Dak Prescott, who runs about 35 yards for a five-yard touchdown. He's making moves. He can't be stopped. And the Cowboys win over the Redskins 31-23. There's always a game in Dallas. There's always a game in Detroit. And once again, Matthew Stafford not earning his money. But LeGarrette Blunt was. Speaking of can't be stopped, he's in. 7-0 Lions. Bears didn't have Mitchell Trubinsky. They went with Chase Daniel. Trubinsky hurt, couldn't play. Pass to Tariq Cohen, 14-yard touchdown. And then I mentioned Stafford gets the big coin. Bad pass. Eddie Jackson, the pick. And then who does he give the ball to? The guy dressed up as Mike Ditka from the 80s. There you go. The Bears win 23-16. The women's portion of the Vancouver Basketball Showcase, which has NCAA teams up here playing underneath the sails at Canada Place, got underway today with number one ranked Notre Dame beating previously unbeaten Gonzaga. Now, the Bulldogs basketball programs have a lot of fans in B.C., not just because the school is in Spokane, but because over the years, B.C. players have been a big part of Gonzaga's success. It's a voice that seems to speak to young high school basketball players from BC. It has been a steady pipeline from British Columbia to Gonzaga University, the basketball factory in Spokane, Washington, that boasts one of the strongest one-two punches of women's and men's basketball in the NCAA. North Van seven-footer Rob Sacre had success on the men's side, as did Kamloops big man and current Miami Heat star Kelly Olynyk. Olynyk gets it back and sticks it back. The women's program also has had great success north of the border. The latest star recruit is Langley's Louise Forsythe. She won back-to-back -back high school titles with Brookswood in 2015 and 2016. Now in her second year, Gonzaga was an obvious choice to pursue her NCAA dream. I definitely feel like the family atmosphere here and the coaching staff 
I came there, went on my visit, and I think I knew like pretty soon that this is where I was meant to be. She's just a great person also, which I, I like even better than her basketball, just having her around our team. Um, she's exactly what we look for in players. Forsyth is just starting to make some impact on the court. She had a stress fracture in her foot in her freshman year that limited her playing time. Now she's getting more consistent minutes off the bench and showing the skill set that made her a sought-after recruit. Playing those years under Coach Neil Brown are paying dividends. Well, I think um, Coach Brown, he was definitely a demanding coach. And just the style of play we had there definitely like prepared me for the highest level. I have coaches and mentors like that. It definitely helps... Um, you know, get the word out there and also just the skill development because you need time and effort in the gym to, to become the best you can be in. When young players get to see people like Lou competing at the highest level, and uh, I think that exposure also helps. It's no coincidence Gonzaga is up in Vancouver to not only play in the showcase tournament, but to showcase their program. The plan is to keep that BC pipeline flowing. It's far enough uh, from home where you're a little ways away, but also close enough when family wants to come watch that also can work out to, to come see, see a game. Canadian skier Eric Gay announced his retirement today. He's retiring immediately at the age of 37. Now, the announcement came after a training run for Saturday's Men's World Cup downhill at Lake Louise. Gay's training run, though, followed a crash by Invermere's Manuel Osborne Parodies. He was helicoptered off the mountain, said to be doing well. But that crash hastened Gay's decision. He missed last year with a back injury. He has five World Cup wins in his career, three in downhill and two in Super G. There you go. All right. Well, he's been a great skier. For he has been. And well. I think when he saw the accident today, it's like, okay, yeah, that's enough time. for me. Time to go. All right, here's Andrea now with a preview of Global News at 11. Han? Thanks, Chris. A tow truck driver is killed every week in North America. Now the tow truck industry is proposing changes to improve safety. We'll tell you what's being proposed and why there's pushback from first responders. And the efforts to catch that elusive otter at Vancouver's Dr. Sun Yat-sen Garden appears to be going nowhere. So the park board is coming up with a different strategy before more koi go missing or they get gobbled. Tell you all about it when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Chris, Sophie. The otters being coy. All right. Thanks, Anne. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no more puns until we get to the break. <laughs> How highway humor is being used in the hopes of keeping drivers safe on the roads. That's coming up next. But first, here's Kasia Vidurka <laughs> with five things to do with your family. Kasia? Yeah, for this last weekend of November, things are getting lit. First, it's the Christmas Glow Gardens, the largest indoor Christmas festival in Greater Vancouver. Laugh and play under the twinkle of half a million lights. What's more, there's live entertainment and Santa visits every day. New this year in Harrison is Lights on the Lake. But it's not your typical Christmas theme here. They're celebrating their long association with the Sasquatch with amazing light displays. Now, who doesn't love cookie decorating? And how about doing it with Santa and Mrs. Claus? Head to Glenda's Christmas Cottage in the country and get into the spirit. Kids will make crafts and decorate cookies and, of course, get the photo op with the big guy himself. Charlie Brown is just a part of Christmas for many of us. And now your kids can experience the ups and downs of his life through a lively Christmas musical at the Carousel Theatre for Young People. It's on until December 30th. Eat, drink, and be merry as the Vancouver Christmas Market is back. As always, this European-inspired festival has it all, with live entertainment, a wide array of activities, authentic German sweets, treats, and treasures. For more, go to globalnews.ca slash five things. 
Five Things to Do is brought to you by BCAA. Get a BCAA membership and save with our many partners. Plus, get the best roadside assistance. Here's a look at your snow report. Whistler Blackcomb opened today with a base of 45 centimeters and 25 new centimeters of snow. Sasquatch opening December 13th. Revelstoke opening December 1st, Fernie November 30th, Manning Park November 24th, Whitewater December 7th. Big White open with a base of 65, Silver Star opening November 24th, Sun Peaks open with a base of 67 centimeters. Kicking Horse in Mount Washington opening December 7th, Powder King open with a base of 74 centimeters. Coming up on ET Canada, this will warm your heart. It's stars giving back for the holidays. Plus, it's Michael Bublé on Love, Family, and Game of Thrones. Yep, it's all coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Chris and Sophie. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Cheryl. All right, we don't always pay attention to all of those. I'm saying all of us, not just me. You can, I don't want to get myself in trouble. You don't here. have to speak for yourself. Right. We're all in this together. Yeah, all of those highway signs we come across in our travels. Yeah, but a new movement is afoot to use humor, even bad puns, which you know we love, <laughs> to get your attention. Even in idyllic Iowa, it's a struggle to get people to slow down. So the Department of Transportation came up with one-liners to warn drivers. Gobble, gobble, go easy on the throttle. Texting and driving is clever, said no one ever. We make that message a little thought-provoking, fun, humorous. Some people say snarky. Willie Sorensen and Tracy Bramble say a chuckle gets drivers to buckle up. We had to change our way of thinking. Messages play with puns. Pop stars like Taylor Swift and classic cartoon characters. We're that little angel that's on the side of your shoulder reminding you, hey, don't text and drive. They're catching on from Arizona to Massachusetts, where drivers are told, use ya blinka. I love seeing our messages come up in other states. And driver suggestions are welcome too. This is another one from the public. That's actually one of the things that we love about this job is to create a little better relationship with us and the public. Using humor to keep highways safe. And that's no joke. Kristen Dahlgren, NBC News. Apps. apps. Get your head out of your apps. That's actually <laughs> clever. I like that one. Yeah. What if they're like too distracting though? I, right? You're, yeah. yeah. What does that say? <laughs> yeah, shift happens. Don't take a picture of them. Well, that's good. Leave the phone alone. Shift well, that was one of the that ones that was on there, oh, but I, I missed it. it. Okay. I missed it. Get your head out of your apps. It's probably Tailgating for football, not driving. That was another. <laughs> that was another. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. All right. Final word on the weather and be uh, careful for sure on the Coquihalla. That's right. Anywhere east of Hope, expecting snow even up towards Whistler. Lower mainland, rainfall tonight, tomorrow morning, easing off to just a chance of showers later tomorrow. Our weekend not looking as good as what we had initially thought. Yeah, a little unsettled. Yeah. All right, happy Thanksgiving to the American viewers out there. Hope you're having a good time with family. We'll see you back here tomorrow.